Today is Sunday, June 24th, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Episode 268 featuring Keith Smith from Real GM and Celtics Blog is brought to you by Simple Contacts. Shop for lenses the easiest way possible at simplecontacts.com and use the promo code CELTICSBEAT at checkout for $30 off your first order. Again, that's simplecontacts.com. Use the promo code CELTICSBEAT for $30 off. This show also brought to you by Hymns. My listeners get a special trial month of Hymns for just $5 by going to 4 slash Celtics. All right, welcome into another edition of Celtics Beat. I'm Adam Kaufman. Thank you for taking some time out of whatever it is that you're doing on this Sunday or during the week to join us because we have got a great show for you here. The NBA draft, it's behind us after so much talk, so much hype going into it, so many questions over whether the Celts would move into the top five, maybe as high as three. Those rumors are out there. Would Kawhi Leonard be dealt, be it to Boston or elsewhere? And... No, the answer is no at the moment. That shouldn't be surprising. Maybe the fact that the Spurs are kind of stonewalling teams like the Lakers, that's a little surprising, but clearly they just want the guy to return. They want to try and turn him and make him happy again. So I do get that. He's an elite player. But moving Jalen Brown for a draft pick, it never made sense. So really the draft was all about is Terry Rozier and some combination of picks. Are those assets going to go? They did not. Although Terry Rozier may not be around too much longer. We'll get into that in in just a moment. But some of you wanted Dante DiVincenzo at number 27 when the Celtics kept the pick. Couldn't get him. Gone to Milwaukee at 17. Josh Okoji, someone people were talking about as well. He went 20 to Minnesota. Grayson Allen, 21 to Utah, and thank God that did not happen. I was never on that train. There were others. Mitchell Robinson, Kyrie Thomas, another Kyrie. Bruce Brown all fell to the second round, but it ended up being Robert Williams. And you know what? I love the pick. I do. I love the pick. The guy that I wanted, that I really actually wanted, was Mo Wagner out of Michigan. I wondered if the Seas would consider trading up for Michael Porter Jr. as well when he slid to four and went to the Nuggets. Fact of the matter is, it's about who's available when your turn comes up. If you don't make a trade and Wagner, who again, I really liked, Porter Jr., long gone, those guys not available. It wound up being... With the 27th pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Robert Williams III from Texas A&M University. Let's get to know the guy out of Texas A&M just a little bit before we move on to Keith, all right? Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens weighed in after a uh, long, not terribly busy draft night. He's a player that we've, you know, we like coming into this draft process. He's a rim protector and a rebounder, a guy that can, you know, play above the rim on both ends of the court. We don't have much of that. You know, we have a little bit of that, but not, not what he can do. So his abilities to protect the rim and rebound and run the floor, I think, are some of his greatest traits, and we can use those. He's got good feet. He's a good athlete. He's got a 7'5 wingspan. He plays way above the rim. You know, the ability to block shots, ability to alter shots, the quickness to catch up, to guard shooting if they get a step being able to still alter that. Um, If you can have four shooters on the floor and a guy like that roll into the rim, you can just throw it up in the air and he can go get it and finish it. You know, there's a lot of things that he brings to the table, but those are the things that translate sooner rather than later. And, you know, as he continues to improve and improve his skill and everything else, we'll see where all that goes. But right now, he's an, an elite athlete. 
Interestingly, the Celts never worked out Williams. They started talking about him around pick 17, 18, Stephen said, and started to think, hey, maybe this guy will fall to us. And obviously wanted to check out the medicals. We all are aware of that, as Danny Ainge told Terry Rozier that on that Bleacher Report call. But more on that coming up here. Williams, as far as just if, if you're not familiar with Texas A&M and, and watching him over the last couple of years, explosive athlete and elite shot blocker, great defender. In fact, two-time SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Last year, averaged just better than 10 points, nine rebounds, had about two and a half blocks. Big dude, all right? The Celtics athletic big fell to them at 27. Never would have envisioned that. You would have thought they would have had to trade up to get a guy like that. But 6'10", a 7'6" wingspan okay could fit in great here potentially but it's important to keep in mind and as Ainge has acknowledged as well no pick is perfect no guy is perfect no player is perfect and Robert Williams outside of not showing for his first day conference call is also not perfect rim runner can't shoot two for 30 in his career from three 43 percent at the free throw line which is I mean atrocious I think we all know that settles for jumpers doesn't have much of a feel for the offensive part of the game can't stretch the floor so there are issues there certainly that uh, make him not a perfect fit and of course the concerns over his work ethic and attitude and character questions over his want motivation competitiveness effort motor approach disappears at times but talent okay no question there very talented. Some believe, in fact, that he could be a major steal. He could be the steal of the draft, or at least the first round. Jonathan Gavoni from Draft Express wrote, Danny Ainge does it again. The rich get richer. As the Celtics add the number 12 player in the ESPN 100, number 12 out of 100, all the way down at the 27th pick. Concerns about Williams' off-court habits and some question marks about his knee sank his stock, but this might end up being the steal of the draft. Williams' ability to protect the rim is something the Celtics covet, and he's now in a perfect situation to continue to develop his basketball IQ in one of the NBA's best cultures and player development systems. His colleague, Mike Schmitz, draft analyst, wrote, Williams has the potential to be the steal of the draft. Again, you're going to keep hearing it. Adrian Wojnarowski said the same thing. Now these guys all work together, but nevertheless, it's a popular opinion and one Celtics fans should like to hear about. The same draft slot of a similar lob-catching shot-blocking center in Clint Capella. Those comparisons are out there. There are clear question marks about Williams' motor. Rangy big man is without a doubt a top 10 caliber talent, though, when fully engaged. Much more suited for the open NBA game than the role he played as a power forward with a clogged paint at Texas A&M. Boston's the exact environment that Williams needs to rev up his focus and commitment to his craft. Celtics could really use a big in Williams' mold, and he'll be a tremendous lob threat for Kyrie Irving and the rest of Boston's offensive weapons. Under Brad Stevens, here's what it boils down to. You don't play hard, you're not going to see the floor. You won't even be around. They'll get rid of you. You're at pick 27. You're not a guy that they're heavily invested in. Top three, six, even 15, just outside the lottery, whatever. You're 27, you're into the first round. Those guys don't make it all the time. I'm not saying that'll be the case for Williams. Nobody listening to this wants that to be the case. We all want to believe that he's going to be great and that he is going to be that steal, that guy that just that turns heads and makes it. I think at the very least, whether the talent ends up translating, the work ethic won't be a problem. He's going to be motivated. He's going to want to stick around. In the culture, it should help. Playing with Al Horford, under Brad Stevens, with those other vets, in this system, under Danny Ainge, or 
organizationally, as structurally sound a franchise as you will find. He's not going to be asked to do anything he can't do. It's what Brad Stevens says, right? You do what you do best. He's going to catch lobs. He's going to block shots. He's going to run. Others have written about that. So he should be successful in Boston, at least as a rookie out of the gate, because again, he's not going to have to do too much. One guy who I think definitely did too much on draft night, Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier, sitting in as an analyst, a guest analyst for Bleacher Report on their live show, made a very poor decision, unless, of course, this was orchestrated previously with Danny Ainge and that it was okay. Ainge did not comp to that, though, after the fact, and I'll give you that audio in a second. But Rozier, if you happen to miss this, and I won't give you the full sound from it, just a a little bit of a clip, during their broadcast decided he wanted to get the scoop. So Terry Rozier, who by many accounts was on the trade block, FaceTimed his boss when the Celtics went on the clock or five minutes out from making their pick, didn't tell him he was being recorded, asked him who the Celtics were going to take. Well, here you go. Danny. What's up? Who is going to be? I got to draft a point guard. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I need need to really know who it's going to be so I can, you know, a little inside scoop. Try to find out right now. Okay, you don't really want to give me the inside scoop. I understand. No, 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 I do. I do. I wish I could tell you, but I think it's going to be Bob Williams, but we're working on, the, on a, looking at all the medical stuff. Okay, okay, got you. You know, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to call and mess with you a little bit, see who it was, you know? All right, brother. All right, man, I'm going to talk to you. Be safe. Okay, see you. Yep. Bye. We thought he was the best player Available. We look at the medical stuff of everybody. I was obviously joking with Terry about the guard position, but I had no idea it was on live, whatever live it was. I thought he was FaceTiming me. I had no idea. But anyway, that, that is sort of funny. We're excited about Robert. We felt like he was the best player available and think he's a great fit for our team. Yeah, I got to wonder how funny Ainge actually thought that was. Unless, of course, it was, again, like I said, that was a range prior that, hey, I, I might call you and I'm going to be on the air at all times. But if that didn't happen and it was just, you know, his player checking in like I can't believe Ainge picked up the call in the first place but maybe it speaks to how highly he does think of Terry Rozier which we're all aware of but for Rozier to to make that call it he wasn't thinking I have to think he wasn't thinking that is my opinion anyway I'm not going to harp on this thing I don't want to spend too much time on it because we we've got way more stuff to cover but if it was on the surface what it appeared to be and what I already outlined stupid stupid move by Terry Rozier. I don't think it's going to get him traded or anything like that, but not what you want to be doing in that situation. At any rate, let's move on because we can't talk enough about what Robert Williams brings to this team and about what the Celtics are going to do next. Marcus Smart, Aaron Baines, free agency, all of it. What's on the table? So let's bring in Keith Smith, covers the Celtics and the rest of the NBA for Real GM and Celtics blog, does an awesome job. And you know, when it comes to someone who knows the C's, college hoops, salary cap, this is really the perfect guy. Keith, how are you? I'm doing great. It was a fun draft night, and now we're on to the offseason. So, you know, this is this is my time. I love this time of year. Well, let's spend some time on draft night, and in particular, obviously, the Celtics. There was so much hype leading up to that draft over whether the Seas would try to move into the top five or maybe the late lottery. They ended up staying put. Personally, I'm good with that. I'm okay. I didn't need to part with an exorbitant amount of assets just to move up, although you know, there there are things I could have argued for. I would have been tempted, and maybe Danny Ainge tried to do this. We don't know. I would have been tempted to try and pay to jump up to a guy like Michael Porter Jr. when he slipped to 14 or something in that range. Would that have been on your radar? Do you like them staying put and doing what they did? 
Yeah, it's a well, it's it's both. I really am fine with the fact that the Celtics stayed right where they were. It's for the same reason you were. I just I didn't want to see them give up a whole lot of stuff to move up unless it was unless you were moving up to get into the Luka Doncic kind of range or something like that, which really seemed unrealistic. Mm-hmm. It, it it made sense to just stick where they were. But when Michael Porter Jr. started to slide, and then you had the Clippers sitting there with two picks, I really thought that might have been an opportunity to try and jump up there, you know, package together a first, maybe one of the other first that they're owed and jump up and, and steal a guy that really – at this point, if he ends up healthy, he's probably going to be the steal of the draft. But, you know, there's a lot of risk there. And I understand why the Celtics stayed away and did what they did. You know, we talk about it all the time. But do you think there's a hesitation to deal with Danny Ainge at this point among other teams? Or was it just that he was maybe unwilling to pay too steep a price because he didn't have to? Yeah, I know there's a handful of folks around the league. The running joke is if you see a 617 area code, which is the Boston area code, mm-hmm. just hang up because, you know, it's Danny Ainge or Mike Zarin. And in your, in one of my favorite quotes was, if you see it, don't even answer because you know you're going to have a bad day on the back end of it. So, it's uh, you know, I think it's just kind of turned out that way. I, I And I think for, for Danny Ainge, he's looking at this with a it, – it's the Celtics are in such a – uh, interesting position where they have a great immediate term term success right in front of them with the team that they have. They were a game away from the NBA Finals and got guys coming back healthy that could put them over the top to get there. But then you have this long range, you know, look at the team with guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and all the other young talent that they've got, which this is very unusual in the NBA. So I think Danny Ainge feels like unless something comes my way that I can't pass up on, there's no reason for me to make a move. Well, and I, I just, I don't know if you feel this way and, and you monitor Twitter and you keep up with the conversation and often are part of it or even driving it at times. I feel like there's a, a certain percentage of Celtics fans, whatever that number is, that Sure. I mean, intellectually, everybody knows Kyrie Irving's coming back. Gordon Hayward's coming back. This team should be even better next year than the one that just finished within six minutes or whatever it was of reaching the NBA Finals. But that's intellect. That's, you know, just knowledge that you should have. I think that at times gets underplayed or ignored by some of the fan base, and they forget. You know, they forget that that all of a sudden – this team does have a a higher ceiling coming back than what we just saw. There, there's this just fundamental belief that they're going to go out and just get waxed by the Warriors next year because that's just it's what the Cavs did. It's what most people, you know, it's what the Celtics would have done this year had uh, you know they made the NBA Finals with the group that was still playing at that time. And we're just people are overlooking. Really, is what I'm driving at here. People are overlooking the fact that this team is about to get a whole hell of a lot stronger. Yeah, it is. They are going to make. Let's let's just say they basically run it back. Let's let's say they re-sign Aaron Baines and Marcus Smart, and you're looking at largely the same roster that ended last season. Well, you're running it back, but you're you're adding two All NBA caliber guys and Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward without spending a trade asset or a dollar in 
uh, new salary. The, these guys are coming back, and that's that's forgotten. And, you know, I think what happens is we all get caught up. Trades are fun. Trade rumors are fun. It's it's fun to argue with people about they should do this, they shouldn't do that. So we we all live that. You know, at the end of the day, we're all hopefully fans of this game, even if we you know cover from a media standpoint. So you get you get caught up in that. And with the fact that the Celtics have really since they kicked off this post Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett rebuild, they've they've made this whirlwind activity of trades over and over and over again we want that all the time then i also think the factor is i always call this the patriots factor where for boston fans if there's the crossover which largely there is a lot of that where the patriots make the super bowl win the super bowl and what do we immediately do the next day hey we won the super bowl now what can we do to get back there next year (laughs) it's already you know in our minds of how do we get there how do we get better and sometimes the answer is you get better by getting guys healthy internal improvement and sticking with what you have. So I think we've been talking for six minutes already, and somehow I haven't even mentioned this guy's name. So let's really spend some time (laughs) on him. Based on who was available when the Celtics came up at 27, when they kept that pick, was Robert Williams the right choice? Yeah, 100%. This guy was a late lottery talent on a lot of teams' boards. And a lot of people have asked today, well, then why didn't those teams take them? Well, you saw, we talked about it a little bit before, a guy like Michael Porter Jr. slid. So that slides a guy like Robert Williams down a little bit too. And as some guys jump up, you might have two or three guys slide. And for the Celtics to have this kid be sitting there where he was, they they were very fortunate. If he had come out last year after his freshman year, he probably was a lottery pick. He went back to school. He he was good, but he his numbers fell off a little bit. wasn't quite as productive in some facets of the game, so that caused him to slide a little bit here in this draft. And that's just the Celtics' good fortune smiling upon him again. Is this the best fit for him? You think coming to Boston? Yeah, I think so, because I think he needs time, and I think he's going to get that playing behind Aaron Baines if he's back, which I assume he will be, Al Horford, a healthy Daniel Tice. He's at best maybe the fourth big in the rotation. He's probably going to take take over that Greg Monroe uh, slot there, but I would expect to see him log plenty of time in Maine, and then when he's with the Celtics, he can focus on doing the things he does best. That's hanging out around the basket playing defense and rebounding. They're not going to ask him to do too much complex stuff there, and he's really going to go in there. He's going to be a good energy kind of guy off the bench, and I think he'll be you know, really solid for the Celtics in that role as he kind of learns and transitions into the NBA game. We'll get back to Keith in just a second. I want to tell you today's show is brought to you by Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts is a convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription. Reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. It's vision care simplified. We all know how big of a pain it can be going to the eye doctor to renew your prescription. You have to wait in the office for what can feel like hours. You have to figure out if you like number one or number two better. It's a hassle. Not anymore. Simple Contacts brings the doctor to you wherever you need it. You can take a vision test at home, have it finished in five minutes. Then a real doctor reviews your test, writes you a new prescription. It's that easy. This is not a replacement for your full periodic eye exam, though. But if you just want to update your script in minutes, log on to simplecontacts.com. Just need a refill? Then upload a picture of your prescription. Simple Contacts handles the rest. The contact lens prices are unbeatable. The vision test is only $20. Shipping, it's free. And best of all, my listeners get $30 off their first Simple Contacts order 
with promo code CELTICSBEAT. Try it for yourself and save $30 on your lenses by going to simplecontacts.com slash CELTICSBEAT or entering the code CELTICSBEAT at checkout. Again, simplecontacts.com slash CELTICSBEAT or just enter the code CELTICSBEAT at checkout. So multiple draft experts, Keith, have said that Williams could be the steal of the first round. His work ethic, the main reason why he dropped possibly from, like you said, the lottery to almost the second round. I don't envision, I'd be really surprised, and I said this earlier in the show, if work ethic is an issue for him in Boston because he won't be in Boston. He'll be in Maine. He won't play. You know, that's the thing with Brad Stevens' teams. If if you don't show your effort, you're not going to be out there. We've seen, you know, guys get benched for not diving for a loose ball or not whatever it may be. So do you agree with that? I mean, do you do you think the, the problems that he's had in college will translate to the next level? Or is he going to find a way to break out of that? No, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. He's going to have to break out of it. Otherwise, he's not going to, he won't be here. And not only will he not be with the Celtics and he'll be in Maine or he'll be on the bench, he just won't be with the Celtics. They'll move on from him quickly. If he doesn't buy into what it is. And I, and I don't think it's the problem some have made it out to be. I think he had some frustration in, in Texas A&M. He really was asked to play power forward a lot, which he's really more of a five than he is a four. Uh, they, they had another big kid, Tyler Davis, playing alongside him who really had to play the five. Their guards were shaky. So I think he just had some struggles as far as that. I think what's going to be important for him is from day one of training camp is show I'm here to work and I'm going to bust my tail to get there. Because the other thing is, right, we talked he might be the fourth big. He could even be the fifth big because Gershon Yabusele is still here. Mm. He's still very high on him. And he's got an opportunity to play next year and break in as well as we know we're going to see plenty of guys like Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris at playing at the four position as well. So Williams has his work cut out for him. But again, I think as long as he's focused and, and really is, I'm going to work and that's what I'm here to do, that he should be just fine. Williams also had to deal with, I think it was a couple game suspension earlier on in the season. You know, we, we hear and we've been talking about a lot of the on the court stuff, but there were also some off the court issues or concerns. Are you familiar with those at all? Yeah, a little bit. I, it was something I started to learn more in this last few week period uh, with that. So it's it's one of those things where it's it, unfortunate. I think a lot of these kids have have uh, you know have have something you know, and and we'll we'll see. I don't get the sense it's much of a concern long term for for the Celtics or for anybody. So we'll we'll see you know where that all goes. Are you able to be specific at all? Uh, I, you know, I don't have enough of the details that I, I, I don't think I could, could be intelligent enough to talk about it. So I, I'd, I'd, I'd rather stay away from it at this point. But all I know is talking to people, they said it's something that was kind of in his past and they're, they're good to move on from it. All right. So realistic expectations on the floor for Williams as a rookie. As you said, in terms of where he slots into the rotation, he's going to be fighting for a spot. Who knows how many games he'll even be in Boston. And that's that's with a total buy in. That's just talking about roster depth and, and no concerns for him. So what should we expect this year in terms of you don't need to project, you know, rebounds, blocks, points, like stuff like that. When he's here, how many minutes per game do you think realistically he'll see? Yeah, probably about 10, 15 or so. I think if you look at where Daniel Tice was early in the year, where he was kind of giving the Celtics that 10, 15 minutes off the bench as mm. an energy guy making plays, I think that's probably a good good look for Williams. I think he, um, you know, that's probably 
you know, where he's going to be at. And he'll just be asked, hey, come in, give us some rebounding, some defense, run the floor hard and hang out around the rim and see what happens. And that's, you know, probably the best fit for a lot of these big men rookies. And when you ask them to do too much, that's when they struggle. If you let them kind of feel their way and, and learn what's going on, then they tend to have a little bit more success. Well, you so you already highlighted the just the nature of of playing for a Brad Stevens team and the fact that the Celtics are not going to put him in a position that he's uncomfortable with. You know, they they like to uh, accelerate or accentuate guys' strengths and and don't exploit the weaknesses. So Williams, he's a rim runner. He doesn't stretch the floor. Can't shoot from distance or from the line. Even I gave some of the numbers earlier. That stuff can theoretically develop. We've seen it a little bit. We don't know if it will for him. We'll see. But um, for now, he's not a perfect fit for this offense, the way they go stylistically. He doesn't slide in in the same way that an Al Horford plays, an Aaron Baines plays, a Daniel Tice plays. I think maybe Greg Monroe was a better comparison, but he wasn't all that good in the time that he was here. So how does Williams' game translate to this offense? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Monroe because I think they're going to hope to get from him to some extent what they were hoping to get from Monroe and didn't. I think teams are at their best when you have a lot of versatility. A lot of people looked at it and say, well, you know, it's been said over and over again, if bigs can't shoot, they can't play for Brad Stevens. Well, I don't know how much truth there is to that because – I think what he wants is, you kind of mentioned it, but Brad Stevens is always, we want you to do what you do best. It's not asking you to do things you don't do. They're not going to ask Williams to go and hang out on the perimeter and be Al Horford and take a few three-pointers a game because they know he can't do it. So what they're going to ask him to do is kind of give us the Monroe role, but slightly different. He's not going to post up like Monroe could. He's not going to... um be the passer Monroe was, but it's going to be a lot of pick and roll. I think they're going to run a lot of pick and roll um, offense with the way the bench looks like it might be shaping up. And that's where the kid can be successful as a role man or as a dive man off penetration. That's, that's where he's going to live. And that's what they're going to ask him to do. Looking well beyond the rookie year. What do you think Williams career potential is? There are comps out there to guys like Clint Capella who really exploded this past year, or maybe a pipe dream is Deandre Jordan. NBA comps though, we know they're tough. So what do you think, he projects to be yeah those are the top end um range for is those guys i think i think a guy who's not mentioned a lot because i think people fear because he's fallen off the map a little but i think he could potentially be like a kenneth fareed type i thought you were um, going to say amir johnson that's another one <laughs> yeah that's another one that's not bad i but you know amir has become a pretty good outside shooter right yeah he's, he's his evolved. game's evolved yeah, and he's also a really um, a better passer than a lot of people give him credit for. So, especially he's more of a ball mover, like he gets the ball moving. But I think Williams has that for Reed opportunity. He doesn't have the motor for Reed does, which isn't a criticism because very few guys have Kenneth Reed's motor but I think in terms of skills and ability that's where you might see now he one thing that I will say is um, and there's a great piece by uh, Alex Kungu on um, Celtics blog right now and one of the highlights in there is showing him making a really high level pass to a big man out of a double team so if, if he can pick that up and show like hey I can make these passes all of a sudden that opens up a lot more of his game and his fit in Boston Keith, you had the report during the draft that this pick is not going to impact Boston's interest in re-signing Aaron Baines. You've already mentioned him a couple of times while we've been chatting here. Do you believe that deal is going to get done? And if so, what's it going to cost? 
Yeah, I, 100% I think it is going to get done. I know the team really wants him back. All indications are he wants to be in Boston. He really seemed to find a home there. It, it is what's really important, too, is Baines doesn't really seem to care if he starts or comes off the bench. It doesn't matter to him. He's just going to play whatever minutes they ask him to do. And he was so good. One of the teams that they're going to have to get through is Philadelphia, and he can really defend. Joel Embiid better than a lot of other players can, which is, is, you know, might seem kind of funny to some folks because, you know, they look at Baines as this kind of slow plotting guy, but Embiid likes to get down into the post, the mid post area as well and muscle guys. And Baines just doesn't allow him to do that. You can tell he's, he's hitting Embiid's head. I mean, Embiid was (laughs) tweeting about him all throughout the playoffs. Yeah. He was tweeting about him after he was home on the couch. Right. And then, and then, you know, let's give Joel Embiid credit. Then he was like, well, I am home on the couch. Yeah. You, know, so it is a, you know, I mean, this, I mean, if you're not following Joel Embiid on Twitter, you're just doing it wrong because he's a riot. <laughs> but, but it is, uh, you know, it is funny to, to think about that is, you know, and a lot of people say you can't sign a guy for one guy. Well, teams, teams can and teams do. Now, as far as what it's going to cost, this is where it gets really interesting with it, with Baines. They have his non-bird rights, which allows them to give him a bump on his current salary, almost equivalent to what the um, non or what the taxpayer mid-level exception is. Why that's important, and without getting too deep into the cap geek stuff that I love, hmm. is if you use the equivalent of the, the taxpayer mid-level exception or more, you become hard capped. And that is, it could be a challenge because Marcus Smart needs a new contract and then you just got to fill out the rest of the roster. And that's something we've seen teams like the Clippers struggle with in recent years. The Pelicans had some challenges with that this past season. Where it can really come up is if you got to sign guys to 10-day contracts or rest of the season deals, or you really got to get a little creative to make it happen. So I think there's a chance Baines just says, you know what? I'll sacrifice the couple hundred thousand and not force the team to be hard capped while also leaving that exception available to use on somebody else if we need to. And I'll come back, but maybe you got to give me an extra year or two years on top of it. And that could be where we see uh, Baines, you know, get kind of in the mix there. He might, might not make as much in terms of one year, but it might be over a couple of years, which I think is perfectly fine for the Celtics. So I'm with you. I think Aaron Baines not only will be back and wants to be back, but has to be back. I think he was just, you can't underscore his importance to that team's success last year. But let's just, for the sake of conversation, let's play the game. Let's say he decides he wants to start, and so he goes somewhere else. Who would be a good available option? Yeah, that's where it gets gets kind of tricky because it, it's, it's tough. Then you're looking at, well, what, what do we want to, do at that position. They obviously don't have the cap space to to start after the big names like Clint Capella or DeMarcus Cousins mm. or any of those guys. None of those are, are realistic. They're not going to happen. So now you're looking kind of that second tier and lower uh, grouping. And guys who, who I think could be fits and kind of give the team a lot of what, what Baines gave them, you could ask a guy like Salah Mejri who's been playing for the Dallas Mavericks, really kind of under the radar because I think a lot of people don't care because the Mavericks haven't been very good for his time there. But he's a guy who could give the team a little bit of what Baines does, that physical interior presence. We we mentioned him before, but it would be kind of funny if there was a return to Amir Johnson. I think the fan base would go absolutely berserk if that happened. I think <laughs> they, they were done. 
uh, when he left, but that that one you know could could happen there. Um, and then then you're looking at a guy. I know a lot of Celtics fans would love to have him as Kylo Quinn, who just recently declined his player option with the Knicks for next year. If he was willing to come in and could come cheap enough, he's a guy who can make a lot of sense. And then the other guy that I like, but he's probably going to be slightly out of the Celtics price range, is a guy like Ed Davis, who's been playing for the Portland Trailblazers for a couple of years. He's a he's a good you know defensive minded guy, a little little less rugged and a little more athletic. Um, and that could be something the Celtics are looking at. But I think, you know, Bain's fit, desire to be here and all that, I think that trumps anything else any one of these other guys could bring to the table by a good margin. So there's one guy you didn't mention. I'm glad you didn't. But there's speculation out there the Celts could be interested in signing Dwight Howard. He's got a bad rap for a number of reasons. He's not viewed as a winner. He's moved annually at this point. But in fairness, He's a future Hall of Famer, and he can still play even when he's barely trying, which I don't know exactly what that says, but it's just a fact. So if, you know, if, if everyone, if they run it back, you know, you've, you've got all those bigs that we've already mentioned. There's no room for Howard. He's not coming. But in the event that somebody is moved, traded, doesn't resign, whatever it is, what are the chances Boston actually is thinking about pursuing Howard? Yeah, I would be done if it went that way only because of the fit in the locker room i mean this guy is now you're looking at what four or five teams in a row have basically said good riddance where now he's (laughs) out of our locker room and that's not the celtics don't want that you know they it's it's more of i think people will say well you know look at all these other guys they've turned around well, I don't think those guys are at the level Howard is as far as being seen as like a questionable teammate. People always want to point to Evan Turner. Well, he was grumpy and Pacers didn't like him and Philly didn't like him, but it wasn't it wasn't the mass like thank God he's gone as there is with Howard when he he's left the team. So I, I would be very surprised if that's if that's the way they went. I think then they 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 might even go further down the list to guys like maybe Ersan Ilyasova or uh, uh, Trevor Booker, guys like that versus bringing in Howard. I just I think the fit is just too questionable. And then it's just his fit in the offense overall. It's a lot of people want to look at it as, you know, oh, well, he's a great rebounder and he still blocks shots, but he doesn't do anything offensively. We just talked about Williams, but they're not counting on Williams to do much. So, but with Howard, if you sign him, you're counting on him to give you really good minutes. And I, and I don't know that, you know, he's going to want that as well. He's not going to want to go somewhere where he's the sixth or seventh option either. Marcus Smart spoke during the week. We haven't spent any time on him yet. Restricted free agent, at least he's about to be. And he actually said he's really not focused all that much on free agency right now. You know, I haven't really put too much thought in this offseason free agency thing. Um, You know, like I said, my number one focus is on my family right now. So, Keith, Smart's restricted. Realistically, what kind of salary is he going to command? Not what does he want, not what does he feel he's worth. I want you to look at the market and tell me what kind of salary you think he can command and who's going to offer it. Yeah, this is a really rough uh, summer for restricted free agents. There's just not a lot of cap space around, and the teams that do have cap space are not really looking at point guards. So those restricted free agent point guards like Marcus Smart, they're going to really get squeezed this summer. You always run the risk when you have a restricted free agent that 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 they you know. Uh, Thing in the NBA is it only takes one, and I won't make you bleep it, but it only takes one to, uh, you know, to throw everything out of whack with a restricted guy. Well, this year, those teams just don't exist, you know, for the, for the point. So I think Smart 
is probably looking at unless he signs something team friendly because he really wants to be back in Boston in the you know maybe eight to ten million dollar annual range or range rather. Um, I think then he's going to be looking at uh, potentially signing the qualifying offer, hitting the market next year when hmm. there is a little more movement. Uh, point guard wise projected and there is also a lot more cap space out there so if he does that then you know the Celtics are you know really running the risk of that he's unrestricted and could walk away but I think Boston is content to say you know we'll deal with that when it comes I think they want him back but if they're going to get him back it's going to be on their terms versus overpaying him I don't and I don't I just don't see the team out there that's going to force them to overpay a match because if anybody offers anything reasonable Celtics will just match and play it out. So I've been of the mind that what you just said, that they, you know, whatever he receives based on what he's going to receive in terms of offers, they will match because I think they would comfortably go as high as, I don't know, four for 48 or something like that. Maybe even a little bit higher, but I'm not like you, so sure that offer is going to be out there. One thing that not a lot of people are talking about that you just hit on, though, is that possibility that he just comes back on the qualifying offer and they have to go down this road again. If... That does come to fruition. All of a sudden, you're in a very different place, I think, than where some people envision it. Like, there's there's that conversation of, and it's been out there a long time. We've been having it on this show for a long time. you got to choose between Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart. But one of the things that helped you make that decision is that they're up at different times. That wouldn't be the case if Smart obviously just does the qualifying offer and all of a sudden we're going through this again next year. So if... It goes down that road. Are they keeping both guys and then they got to deal with both next year and make their decision? Or is the Terry Rozier situation kind of independently fluid? Yeah, that becomes a, uh, a mess, quite frankly. There's no other way to put it because let's add on top of it, Kyrie Irving is also going to be a free agent at that exact same time. Yeah, of course. Now you have... You, you have all three of the team's lead ball handlers, all free agents at the same time. And that that's going to get really tricky. At that point, I would be stunned if all three are back in Boston. If for some of it is financial, because I don't know how much money you can commit to that one position on the floor. And I think the other piece of it is someone then is not going to play as much as they want to play. And, you know, we've seen, you know, smart. I know Stevens always refers to him as a sixth starter. And I think his role is going to be solid no matter what it is. But Kyrie Irving, if he's healthy, he's a 30-minute-per-game guy in the regular season, probably ratcheting that up to 35 or 40 in the playoffs. Terry Rozier proved this year that he deserves a bigger role. So if you're looking at, you know, a year from now, all three of those guys are here in free agents, one of them's definitely leaving because they're not going to, they're not going to take the, you know, third string role or, or a, you know, playing combo guard minutes off the bench or something like that. So that's where it becomes really, really messy. And I think that's why some folks are jumping to right now. Let's look at trading Terry Rogier. But I think Danny Ainge and to a lesser extent, Brad Stevens, who Ainge does involve in the roster building process, I think their approach has always been let's deal with it when we have to versus dealing with it ahead of time. Let's, let's let this thing play out. And as we saw this past season, how much quality depth it really can impact the season. If Celtics didn't have the depth they had, they would have been out you know, earlier in the playoffs, or they might have even struggled to make the postseason. It was their depth that carried them all year long. All right, one more quick break to tell you today's episode of Celtics Beat, also brought to you by Hims. Hims is a brand-new wellness brand for men. Guys, how many of you are scared of hair loss? 
loss. I guess a lot, because 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. It's an epidemic. Stop procrastinating. Stop turning to weird hair loss solutions. Hims is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Best part about Hims is they really connect you with real doctors to treat your hair loss with actual medical-grade solutions. We're not talking about concoctions that you can make at home. We're talking about prescription solutions backed by science. Just go to 4 right now. Sign up is easy. Answer a few quick questions. A doctor will be assigned to you. Products ship directly to your door. You don't have to wait in line for hours. Let Hims come to you. And my listeners get a special trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost you hundreds of dollars if you went to your local pharmacy. Just use my promo code. Go to 4 slash Celtics. That's 4 Slash Celtics. Well, I'll tell you what, Terry Rozier might be trying to get himself traded with that stunt he pulled on draft night. <laughs> you know, <laughs> basically illegally recording a call with Danny Ainge and then delving out that information that probably he didn't. I know Ainge laughed it off and we heard him earlier, but that he had to have gotten a call from Ainge or the PR staff or somebody after the fact to say, uh, what were you doing there? Because that wasn't a good idea. Yeah, I'm guessing somebody said, hey, dude, not cool. Um, but we, you know, it's funny. I've already seen the running joke around Twitter. And we're about to find out just how much Danny Ainge loves Rozier and how untouchable <laughs> he is. <laughs> so it'll be, a, it'll be curious. But I imagine there was some, uh, some conversation had of like, hey, not cool. Like we we're we're playing it off, but we'll watch it in the future. Well, makes sense. So, all right, the Celtics, they didn't do anything draft night of significance. Do you expect that to change in the week here leading up to free agency? Are they positioning themselves for a trade at all, or are they more intent to run it back? Yeah, I'm really starting to get the sense that they're more focused on let's run this back. Let's get Baines re-signed. Let's re-sign Smart. And then let's see what we've got. We'll, we'll add some guys around the fringes. Like I know Shane Larkin was so good for the team. I'm not sure he's going to be willing to come back and play on a minimum deal again, which is about all the Celtics can offer him. I would expect, you know, maybe some, some moves around the fringes, the back end of the roster. You know, maybe, maybe Abdel Nader has to compete for a spot this year more than others. Maybe Jabari Bird is, is signed. He, he, he's a restricted free agent this year and he may just sign the, the qualifying offer or the Celtics may, you know, work something out with him where it's a kind of the Nader uh, Ojale special of the, you know, guaranteed first year and then some partial guarantee on the second season. That that could be the way it goes. I know they're pretty high on him. But beyond that, I, I just I don't see the big deal coming. I know a lot of people are still Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard. I just don't know that Danny Ainge wants to pay the price unless Leonard is kind of given those strong indicators of, you know, hey, I'll stick around. I'll, you know, see this through. I'll be in Boston long term. And if he's not going to do that, I don't know how you can, you know, pay, pay that pay that exorbitant price it's probably going to be. Now the Spurs are in a trickier spot. They can't demand as much. But from the Celtics, that means not demanding as much. It's still demanding a lot because it's not like Boston has, you know, this, this kind of junk pieces they can just move they're going to have to move some form of good player either brown or rogier or smart in a sign and trade and then likely one of their future picks to make it happen and i just i think danny Ainge would rather run it back and then see where he's at mid-season with those pieces to make a deal versus doing it at the beginning of the summer well and potentially two maybe all three of those guys just to make the money work too so you're decimating your depth at that point which the celtics certainly don't want to do and you spoke earlier about the importance of depth we all watched it last year so I, i'm with you 
I don't think there's any chance Kawhi Leonard winds up in Boston without those assurances. And I don't think Leonard has any intentions of giving those assurances. But let's pretend for the sake of the conversation that he did. What kind of package are you willing to part with for Kawhi Leonard, knowing full well that he wants out of San Antonio, at least as we talk right now, and the Spurs have some leverage, but not a lot because they don't want to lose him for nothing in a year. Yeah, I think the pipe dream that's out there for Celtics fans is somehow they hang on to all of Irving, Hayward, Brown, Tatum, and Horford and add Leonard to that. That just doesn't seem realistic to me. Well, and on top of that, I don't want to cut you off because I do want to hear the package, but just on that, because Zach Lowe wrote that, and that you know caught my eye, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. But the one thing that he didn't acknowledge in that whole long piece when he suggested that was, okay, so who doesn't start? Who's going to the bench? You know, like, are, are, you, you, you can't start six guys, presuming everyone's healthy, which is never the case, I know, but presuming everyone's healthy, someone's got to go to the bench. And guess who would be going to the bench, probably? Jalen Brown. So yeah. how, how much value at that point does he even have to you if, if you're bringing Kawhi to it, it, and getting rid of all your depth to keep Jalen Brown and then just sending him to be a sixth man? Yeah, it, it's, it's almost like we planned out this conversation because that's where I would go. In the deal, because I think if you were willing to give up Jalen Brown and Kawhi says, hey, I'll stick around long term, I would give up Jalen Brown because then I think you can lessen the pick. I think maybe you can take the Kings pick off the table and maybe trade the Grizzlies pick, which doesn't look quite as good as the Kings pick. Does so that's maybe the pick you can give up instead, or you can you know maybe throw a couple of you know maybe one of the Boston first, which you're hopefully hoping is somewhere between twenty eight and thirty at that point. Maybe you're you're throwing one of those in there, and it's for that exact reason is you depth is great, and we just talked a lot about how important it is, but you have to have functional depth. When you have too much depth, that means someone's unhappy. And that means someone's not going to be thrilled to be on the bench, not only to start games, but to close games. That's, you know, sometimes even bigger, you know, point in it. And at that point, you can't, you know, you said it, you can have six guys out there. So if Jalen Brown is all of a sudden a bench guy, you know, it's, it's easy for fans to say, well, you should suck it up for the best of the team. And he's young and his time will come. Well, his time came this year. He scored 30 points in the playoffs twice as a second year player. That just doesn't happen. So for, for the overall roster harmony, I think you, you eventually got to look at it as saying, all right, we, we've got more than enough wings if we do this. And then you also have the component of just salary matching. So I think it's Brown, a pick, and then you start throwing stuff together, whether it's Marcus Morris and, you know, uh, Yabusele and Nader and all those pieces just to make salary match. I think that's what you're looking at for the Celtics. Well, a guy you just mentioned too, I wasn't even really planning on getting to this, but I I think the transition makes sense. Is Marcus Morris going to be happy next year if everyone's healthy? He's already expressed in an interview after the season that he isn't entirely sure where he fits with this roster when everybody's healthy. It's all well and good that he more or less got his minutes last year and, and played a role and you know was important. I'm not diminishing that. He's got a great contract, so he's not a guy I'd like to move. But is he going to become a problem if he's not playing as much as he feels he should be? Yeah, I think that runs the risk. I think probably more so than almost anybody else on the roster. I think he's a guy who, who you know, he wants to play. I think he needs to play. I don't think he's he's the kind of guy you can throw out there and get 10 you know, really great minutes out of him. I think he needs to play closer to 20 to 25, if not more, to get in the rhythm of the game. We've seen that he's not he's just not he's not a microwave player off the bench where he comes in and he's immediately hot and ready to go. It usually takes a little bit for him to get warmed up. And he played a lot of his minutes 
Smith on the wing. And now all of a sudden next season you're looking at Hayward and Tatum and Brown. And, you know, those guys are going to be in there. And it's easy to say, well, Morris can slide in there and he can play some minutes at the four. But then you've got Tyson, if Baines is back, and Horford. And you want to play Horford at the four some. It just really squeezes him. So I think you're looking at him for 10 to 15 minutes a game. And I don't know that he's happy with that. And that could turn into where we talked about it very early in the show that, you know, the locker room and the fit in the locker room matters for the Celtics. And I think that means that you're going to look at Marcus Morrison saying, maybe this doesn't work. And maybe you trade him for a lesser player, but a guy who's a better fit Mm. in the locker room and in that role. Well, or at the trade deadline, potentially, after you see how things play out and what kind of health situation you actually have. Because that contract, it's just, it's too good to give away. That's the thing. That's yep. that's how I look at it anyway. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Uh, you know, are they going to salary dump him to avoid the tax? Yeah, that was so stupid. Happen. That was yeah, so stupid. It, yeah, yeah. It just it did. It, it, it's uh, they could, and, and I'm doing air quotes, which no one can see, but <laughs> but they could salary dump him, but return an asset. It could be right. a you know a late one of those protected first round picks, a you know, top twenty protected pick or something like that. Cause because you mentioned it, his deal's just too good to just, you know, give away. And quite frankly, even though people might have their their qualms with his play at times, he's too good of a player. He's, you know, kind of the guy everybody wants. He's versatile, can do a lot of different things on the court. It can really help a team. It's just the question with the Celtics is can he help a team play in ten to fifteen minutes? And that's that's what I'm not sure about. Yeah, really in a perfect world, he's the guy that you'd like to have as an RFA right now so that you can move him in a sign and trade get him a bigger contract in the process and bring in another asset it's just throwing him into another deal to help make money work he barely makes a dent yeah yeah that that's the tricky part and that and that's what makes it really hard for the celtics right now they have either these max contract guys or they've got these guys who are on their rookie scale or on really bargain deals like daniel tice they don't have those mid-range contracts. Morris is really the only mid-range contract, which is why you're hearing Smart's name mentioned a lot of, well, maybe we can throw him in and work a sign and trade because that's a way to create mm. that mid-range contract. You need to make trades. But it's not, again, I just, I don't think that's something that, that the Celtics are overly concerned about right now. And I think they're going to take it really easy early in the year. I wouldn't be surprised if guys like Hayward and Irving are playing much more than 25, you know, maybe 30 minutes at most, uh, a night as we get into it early. So I think that's where more shows up. But if it's then his role starts to lessen as guys are playing themselves fully into shape and they're ready to go, then that's where I think around the trade deadline, it might be, all right, what, what do we need? And maybe we flip this guy and figure out what we have, or, you know, I'm not, I'll knock on wood and say, hopefully this isn't the case, but if there's injuries again, well then he's right there and ready to go. No, absolutely. There was, I don't remember the exact stat. You may know it off the top of your head, but there was, Someone was making a big deal out of it anyway at the end of the year about how the fact that even with all the injuries, not a single member of the Celtics ranked even in the top 50 or 60 in minutes played. Uh, whether that was total minutes or or minutes per game, I can't remember. But either way, Brad Stevens already has that focus in mind of, all right, let's, let's spread it out. Let's keep you rested. Let's go with our huge rotations. We'll tighten it up when we have to come the postseason. But during the regular season, everybody is going to get some time, which I think is yeah. the way to do it. Yeah, you have to, and it's you know, and I know it frustrates people because they they want that you know some Tuesday in early March they want that win you know over the Atlanta Hawks and they're like why can't you know Al Horford play you know forty minutes tonight he can't play forty minutes tonight because you want him to be able to play forty minutes in April and May when it really matters 
So that's why in, in Brad Stevens sticks to his guns on that and just, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, you know, roll with, with these guys. I'm going to manage them throughout the year. It's, you know, it's one of the things I think he is going to help extend Al Horford's career, probably two to three seasons longer than it could be if he sticks around Boston, just because he knows how to manage these guys. And he doesn't do it in a way where guys miss a lot of games. He just does it in games. I think he has a very um, mindset of, this is when I'm going to get guys out. He sticks to a pretty strict substitution pattern, except when he does the, the mad Brad and then he yanks everybody <laughs> and, you know, pulls those every once in a while. But beyond that, it's really, you know, I'm, I'm rolling with, with this and this is how it's going to be. And that means throwing away a couple wins in the regular season. So be it. Well, I could do this forever. Unfortunately, I think people have attention spans. Plus, I've kept you for quite a while. But Keith Smith, Real GM, as well as Celtics Blog, among other outlets, really appreciate all the insight, man. I I can't believe we're having you on here for the first time. So let's keep doing it again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to come on. Whenever looking forward to a, uh, it might be an off season of less fireworks, but it's going to be a functionally productive off season. That's how I put it. And you know, this team for me, they can't get back on the floor in meaningful basketball soon enough. So I'm really excited for the season to come. I'll tell you what, I share all of those sentiments. Plus, my uh, wife and family will be much happier if I'm spending less time on Twitter right around July 4th. So <laughs> that uh, that would be all right. Keith, thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Ton of great stuff from Keith Smith. Really appreciate him hopping on here. And uh, I think we got a more expansive look, not only on Robert Williams and what he brings and hopes to bring to the Celtics team, but obviously all the other facets. Marcus Smart's future, Aaron Bain's future, and the things that you just listened to that I don't need to rehash. But by all means, tell your friends about the show because you can learn a lot. Another thing, by the way, on Baines, I didn't talk about this with Keith, but Adam Himmelsbach of the Globe has been on this program before. He sent out a tweet day after the draft that mentioned that uh, Brad Stevens is fine for coach of the year deservedly so should win the thing as far as i'm concerned probably won't the uh fired Dwayne casey will end up getting that but he told himmelsbach that he won't be at the nba awards monday which i realize some of you may be listening to this after monday but if you're listening to it when it drops then you're right on time i guess i should say tomorrow told him he won't be at the nba awards because he's going to be attending a memorial service for his grandmother who passed away in january so our condolences to brad stevens and his family but himmelsbach also wrote other finalists, Jason Tatum, Rookie of the Year, Kyrie Irving, Play of the Year, they're not expected to attend the NBA Awards either. Why do I bring this up? Well, because Aaron Baines is going to be there to represent the Celtics and accept any awards that they win on their behalf. And as Himmelsbach writes, and I agree with, not a move of a guy who expects to be elsewhere soon. Okay? Aaron Baines is going to be back. Keith firmly believes he's going to be back. I believe it as well. And he's just, he's happy here. This is where he wants to be. We're going to call this the summer of running it back. That's the direction things are going and i have no qualms over that whatsoever again episode 268 featuring keith smith from real gm and celtics blog is brought to you by simple contacts shop for lenses the easiest way possible at simplecontacts.com and use the promo code CelticsBeat at checkout for 30 dollars off your first order again that is simplecontacts.com use the promo code CelticsBeat for $30 off. Show also brought to you by Hims. My listeners get a special trial month of Hims for just $5 by going to forhims.com slash Celtics. Again, thanks to Keith, my producer Evan Valenti. He has got you next week with a great guest. Stay tuned for that. To John, to Nick, to Larry, to everyone at CLNS Media that help make these shows possible. Most of all, of course, you. Subscribe to iTunes, Celtics Beat. You can leave a rating, a comment. It's much appreciated. Follow me on Twitter. We'll always engage throughout the offseason at 
Adam M. Kaufman. I'll probably drive my family nuts in the process, but what can I say? I like being available to you as well. Free agency is coming. All right, Gino, take us out of here.